Father, thank you for your word. Help us this morning to hear that word from you. We need to hear. Help us to be receptive to it, to be good soil, to receive it, and for it to bear fruit in our lives. Grant us this grace in Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Well, again, it's, it's great to be back in Boston. And so now it's time for the true fuller story of our adventure that we had in Canada. Cole and I went to Canada for a number of reasons. First to uh, actually go to the Montreal Jazz Festival. On our, that was our first stop. And then along the way, we're going to see some schools that Cole might have been interested in. And then finally, though, the ultimate destination was my family in Ontario. Uh, to see my dad in particular. He's in a long-term long care facility. So we were going to go see him. And it was meant to be a really quick trip. A quick there and back, just a few days, but it turned into nine days. And that's what happens when you hit a raccoon. <laughs> when a non-violent driver <laughs> accidentally, Pete, <laughs> hits a raccoon. And it's a big raccoon. It was huge, and it hit our car, and it broke our bumper, the AC condenser, the fan, the radiator, and other things. <laughs> so it turns into a nine trip when that happens, a nine-day trip, and then you go to look for parts, and parts are really in short, on short supply. So they said, yeah, we could get you those parts in two weeks. So we got to call a guy who knows a guy who can get any parts anywhere. And he found them back in Montreal, <laughs> where we came from, six hours away. And so we got those, and they started coming. But we didn't know, but, well, nobody knew, but in Canada, a huge internet mobile phone shortage happened. Just started shutting down. So he couldn't communicate with the people in Montreal like he normally could. So that took longer. Uh, and on and on it goes. Well, we weren't... Uh, expecting these things. We were anticipating all of this to happen. And we were staying with my sister, and she said, what, what passage are you preaching on next? And I said, Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good <laughs> for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. So, so my next question was, all right, what good may God bring out of this situation? And he did. And we'll hear about that in a little bit. Well, when I think of this question, and this verse in particular, I think of something certain piano players can do. Certain talented, accomplished, incredibly good piano players can do. And what they do at the, at the beginning of their performance, they stand up in front of the audience and they just ask for three random people to offer three random or four random notes. And so they do that, they get those, and they go back to the piano, and they play those notes in that random order that he or she received them. And they sound random. <laughs> it doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound like part of a song. Well, then what happens is the, the piano player sits down, and from those three or four notes, they start to improvise, compose a piece of music, a composition. And it's incredible. It's beautiful. And then they come and revisit those notes. And they've been incorporated into this piece. 
And they no longer sound random. They sound like they were intended to be there all along, like they belong. So this composer, this, this piano player, has taken these random notes and transformed them into something good, worked them together into this piece, into a beautiful composition. Well, yeah, when I think of this, I think, how much more does God do that, right? How much more does he do, not just with three or four random notes, but with all the broken notes of this world? And how he takes those and works them together somehow in his mysterious, creative, redemptive way into a beautiful composition. That's what I think of when I think of Romans 8, 28. How God works together all things for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. We're back in the letter, Paul's letter to the Roman church. And today we're just looking at three verses. Last time we looked at two. This week we're bumping it up a bit to three. And next week, Lord willing, if I don't hit another raccoon or something. <laughs> We're going to hopefully finish Romans and the whole series on Romans conveniently before we get to Romans 9. <laughs> My father-in-law is actually, he's uh, preaching through Romans at the same time, which has been really fun uh, in his church in Virginia. It's his last series before he retires in uh, December. He's taking a whole year to preach through Romans. And he likes to say, all biblical roads, all theological roads lead to Romans 8. <laughs> and I get what he's saying. When you read Romans 8, when you read things like this, we know all things work together for good for those who love God. We know. In the Bible, that's a, an intimate, familiar word. We're familiar with this as the people of God. How God takes old, decrepit things and makes them new and alive. How God takes a terrible situation and somehow sometimes brings a, a beautiful thing out of it. How God, how he heals the sick, how he forgives the guilty, how he sanctifies sinners, how he raises the dead. We're somewhat familiar with these things. We know these things. Those who love God at least, those who've responded to God's redemptive call and purpose, right? Those who no longer just experience and accept passively God's permissive will that allows for these terrible bits sometimes. But no, those who have heard and responded and pursue God's redemptive call and purpose, where he starts to make all things good and new together. Those are different things. Those who love God, they've heard this redemptive call in Christ and they've responded in faith and love. In the first few chapters of Romans, Paul emphasizes the faith-obedient part. Uh, and here he just sums it up as love. Those who love God. They've, begin, they've begun to see this and receive this way of God. They know this to some extent. It's a wonderful, it's one of the most beautiful, powerful promises and realities in the scriptures. But we need to be careful how we use this verse 
and how we understand this verse. This verse can be easily misapplied or overextended in situations. So, for example, when someone is grieving or has just uh, experienced a tragedy, you don't just come in and say, well, we know God works together all things for good. That's not the time (laughs) for that. There's a time and there's a season for everything and for different scriptures and passages and truths. And those who are wise and discerning know that and know when someone's just experienced a loss or tragedy, they just need time to grieve. And I think it's really hard for Christians to do that because we have this hope. We're quick to go there. And there's a time to go there, but, but not first, typically. Notice also what Paul doesn't say in this passage. He doesn't say all things are good. It's a big difference in and of themselves. He says all things work together for good. So in a broken world, there are really legitimately terrible bits in this world. And this promise isn't about, you know, you may think this is terrible. One day you're going to realize it was actually good. No, rather God is like that composer who takes the terrible bits and works them together into something redemptive and new. Notice something else Paul doesn't say. He doesn't say we always see how God does this. Or that we're always going to know how God will do this. Sometimes we're quick to jump there and fill that in for people or ourselves or for somebody else. But there's no promise that we're going to see that always. Sometimes we don't see that for days, months, years. Sometimes we won't see it until the next stage when we see finally that those terrible things worked into the final redemption or made new. So we just need to be careful with what we think we know for ourselves or for somebody else when we use this scripture. Paul says, we know in part in another place. You always got to keep that in mind. Keep humble. So we got to be careful. Well, let's uh, apply some of these things to my trip in Canada. I definitely was thinking about this uh, for the nine days we were there. And, yeah, when I hit that raccoon, uh, there were some unfortunate bits. First the, yeah, I didn't think about it. <laughs> it's going to sound gross, but yeah, first the raccoon. Uh, I did feel terrible. You can ask Cole. I was, uh, <laughs> I was, I was not feeling good for a while uh, for that poor raccoon. And then, uh, and then my car. My car broke. I didn't realize right away. It took us going to Montreal, and we got into a shop finally, but... Um, my car was really broken, all those different parts. And then we took it to a shop, and uh, it was going back and forth to the shop. And then it was trying to find these parts, and then I had to drive to another place myself to get the parts. There's these phone calls and the insurance, and then I had to pay money and more money. A lot of terrible bits. <laughs> um, but then I noticed, and it wasn't too hard to see uh, right away, the good things God was bringing out of this for us during this time. Because of our extra time, we got to do a lot of extra adventures with my dad. 
uh, who's in long-term care. <clears throat> he has a vascular dementia. He was diagnosed about five years ago, or just over now, which is the typical life expectancy of someone diagnosed with that. So he is now over that. Um, uh, so this is all bonus time, you could see, I could say. But he's been in a long-term care facility for the last, last five months because my mother could no longer uh, care for him. Well, for this last five months, he hasn't been on the, off the property. So Cole and I were like, let's get him out of here. A bunch of times. <laughs> so almost every day we were on some adventure. Uh, one thing, and these were, really I felt God, the Holy Spirit, was giving me these ideas. They would just pop into my head and then we would act on them. But one thing was we, we explored, and there's this park just down the road, about a mile down the road, uh, on the water. Gorgeous spot. No one knew that it was there, from my family at least. So we pushed my dad in his wheelchair that mile through the street <laughs> and got him to the park, and he had a blast. Uh, he just came alive even more uh, than normal. And then we figured out a way how to get him into a cab with his wheelchair. There's a special cab we could get, and it took him to the botanical gardens, that was amazing, beautiful for him. And then we got him to church. He hadn't been to church since before COVID hit. So we got him to church to see his, his family of faith, his friends. It was beautiful. During those nine days, I also got to see a bunch of people I never would have seen. My best friend from high school, my cousin, who's been living in Peru for a long time, she was just happened to be visiting. I got to see her. My aunts and uncle, who I hadn't seen in years. All these special visits. And during one of these extra visits with my dad, I was sitting there with one of my aunts, my Aunt Margaret. We say aunt, actually, in Canada. And uh, this is my dad's sister. And we were talking about, there was other people there, and we were talking about how actually... The goal was for my dad actually to go to another permanent, better facility, um, and that this is just a waiting place for him. It's not as good as this other place. And we're just talking about how long it was taking to wait for that to happen. And then we were talking about how my dad loves to sim sing hymns all day, every day. Many times the same hymns, uh, but he loves to sing, and my dad's a great singer, and he just loves to sing hymns all day, every day. And, and you go through the halls, and everybody loves my dad and loves his singing. And it's like, Peter, sing some more. But these are Christian hymns. And this is a Jewish uh, long-term care facility. <laughs> There's like a lot of Jesus in these hymns. Uh, but you would hear, I'd, I'd be sitting there with him at dinner, and, and he'd start to sing. And then some of the women bringing the food would start to jump in on the refrains because they heard these hymns so many times and they're starting to, to sing them. And so my, uh, my Aunt Margaret was like, maybe, maybe he's here because some of these people need to hear these hymns a little more. But man, that's a, yeah, a redemptive uh, and beautiful thing and I think it's true. Um, you can see it. <clears throat> Coming back to Paul's letter to the Roman church, what he says next, notice this. For, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn within a large family. 
4. That 4 links what Paul has just said about God working all things together for good, about his creative, uh, his, his purpose in this call to the people who love him. That is what God's after. That is what God's doing when he's working all things together for good for those who love God. That's what God's doing when he calls us. That's his purpose, his greatest one, at least. To be conformed to the image of Jesus is our greatest purpose and the greatest good I or you or anyone will ever experience. To live and love and suffer like Jesus to die and rise from the dead like Jesus, to know and love the Father and the Spirit like Jesus, there is no greater purpose or good you and I will ever know. And that's what God ultimately is doing when he's working all things together for our good. If we're open to that, if we're receptive to that, if we keep in step with that, And I think that's what our, our world so desperately needs in this day. There is a lot of unchrist-like communication and behavior going across the divides, the many divides that keep coming of our day. We need examples from the people of God to be more Christ-like, to show people what it means to, to act in suffering love Cross the divides like Jesus. And we can totally trust God for this and count on God for this work in us. This is no afterthought for God. This has been his eternal purpose for us. Right? He says, Paul says, those he foreknew, he also predestined for this. God had this in mind for you before you were even born. I don't know how that all works. (laughs) I used to try to crack that nut, but that's a nut I, I haven't been able to crack yet. But I can still trust that and rest in that. And though before I was even around, God was preordaining me to this, this life that's like Christ's life. Somehow God had this in mind for us before we were born, and that's what he's working, working in us, working all things towards. That's what these next things are all about, too. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Those, to, those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. You can first notice that there's only one thing Paul highlights in all of this that we do. We love God. But look at all the other things God does and and surrounds that with, right? He foreknows us, he predestines us, he calls us, he justifies us, he glorifies us. That's God's greater work. That's all about conforming us to the image of Christ, right? That's what God's sights were set on when he foreknew us and predestined us. That's what he's calling us to. That's what he justifies and forgives us for. And that's what he's going to complete one day in glory in the age to come. Coming back to my dad, it's been so encouraging to see, despite the fact 
that my dad's body and mind are slowly shutting down, he's still responding to this call. I can still see God working out this in his life. Like Jesus preached throughout the land of Israel, my, my father is preaching through, throughout this long-term care facility with his hymns. In the name of Jesus, and he says Jesus' name all the time, go with Jesus, he says, <laughs> all the time, as he offers kindness to those around him and smiles and friendship and his little Peter sayings that he still remembers. May we all continue to respond to this call where we trust God to work together all things for good even when we don't see it, when we trust him to conform us to the image of his son and when we trust him to take all the bits, the terrible bits, and work those into his final redemptive composition. May it be so. Amen.